All right, so got a few things to talk about today. Obviously, focusing on the time of prayer and fasting. When you read the Bible, you do run in occasionally to the word fast or fasting. You will you will find people doing it from time to time for various reasons. And probably the most famous that everyone knows about and is familiar with is when Jesus was led into the wilderness to, to fast 40 days okay, and 40 nights. He did that and then he was ministered to by angels. There's a reason he was ministered to by angels. Because in his, in his fleshly part, okay, 40 days without having any food at all, he need minister to. I have yet to read of anybody uh, that has absolutely gone zero food for 40 days. Everybody that I've ever read about that has done an extended period of fast like that for 40 days have always juiced at least. They drank broths, things like that. But imagine nothing for 40 days in the desert, hot, and you have no food. It's a reason. There's a reason why the angels minister to him. But we look at that and we think, man, I'll never do that. But there are other areas of interest in Scripture that we've already looked at before in times past to cause us to reflect on, is this a spiritual discipline that we need to have in our day? Because typically, a fasting is associated with need, with desperation. Trying times call for dread, or what is it, uh, difficult times call for difficult measures. I forget why that, that's it, desperate times call for desperate measures, Okay. Also, when you start your fast, you may get a little loopy too, okay? So, but that's, that's how it goes. Desperate times call for desperate measures. I was standing here when we were worshiping, and, and um, I was just thinking back to my farm days, and something we did every year was we cleaned out our grain bins. Now, does everyone here know what a cone-bottom grain bin is? Really? Oh, my heavens, we've lost our ag roots many times. Many, uh, cone-bottom grain bins. Now... In Idaho, it doesn't rain a whole lot. It's sprinkling today. But in Oklahoma, it rains. And so we have these cone-bottom grain bins. Now, back in those days, you could actually keep most of your seed grain if you wanted to. It's gotten more difficult to do these days. And if it's owned by, by uh, uh, Monsanto or any of those companies, you can't keep it. Anyway, um, well, so we have these cone-bottom grain bins, and the reason they're cone is because the auger goes through the door, it's, it seizes down in the bottom, and all the grain gets funneled to the auger so you can pull it out. It makes sense. And uh, every spring in Oklahoma, it's usually about 90 degrees, typically, maybe 85, very humid, very humid. And you go in and you clean out the grain bins because... You want to get them ready for when harvest comes there in August, September, they're ready to go. And so you do it in spring because it's just kind of when we did it. And you open up that door and you get down in there and man, did it stink. So we had soybeans. We grew a lot of soybeans in those days. And uh, when soybeans get wet, I don't think there's, I don't think a dead body smells any worse than that. And there's, 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 there's leftovers. So the water somehow seeps in, falls down. Even though you went around it last year, same time, and put all the blackjack on it and stuff. It seeps in, gets down in there in the residual amount that's left. And the mice somehow get in. They go and they get, they die. Okay. And then, of course, there's just various and sundry things. And it's just gross. 
And I hated that job with a passion. And then if you work at an elevator, which I did too, you get down in the grain leg, that's even worse. Because it's all of it, corn and wheat and soybeans, all mixed up into a lovely goo that when you get it on you, you have to throw those pants away. Because just, it's just rank stuff. Here's why I'm saying that. You have to do yearly maintenance to store that which is good for you to live. If you want to make a provision for being able to store your seed grain, to be able to have a crop for the next year, you, you have to get that clean. It's where you keep it. It's where you keep the good stuff. If you don't do that, then you're dumping all the good stuff in on the rotten stuff, and that rotten stuff grows, and it spreads, and it gets worse. That's our life. That's what we do. We need soul maintenance. Some lumps like grain bin or grain storage, we need soul maintenance. And so today, I want to just get you to thinking about committing to a purposeful fast. I fear that, I think this is our sixth year, or this will be our seventh time around doing this now. And every year, I hear some people talk about the fasting portion a lot. And again, if you're new to it, it may seem like, how do I do it? Am I doing it right? Am I overdoing? Am I not doing it enough? And in all of that, you miss the whole point. I know some of you have even got, you'll be really good at your fast, but you didn't do any more in your Bible. You didn't do any more in your praying. Praying. You didn't do anything any different spiritually. You just made yourself hungry for 21 days. Why? Don't do that. So have a purposeful fasting and prayer. The fast is a mechanism by which we get before God in complete dependency. Now again, it's taking it up a notch. We have our prayers that we pray every day and we have our Bible studies that we do on a, on a daily basis. We should. But when we take time to fast and pray, that's, that's getting before God as if we're saying, Lord, things are, I need you. In fact, I'm so serious about how much I need you that I'm willing to afflict my soul by not having these meals or having those foods or turning to those pleasurable things so that I can rely on you and talk to you about my needs, what I see happening. Now look, I'm not going to get into this, but everybody knows that the majorly big elephant in the room is the demise of our country. Okay, we know that. We live here. We are a body of Christian people in the United States. It's about to endure something that other Christians know already, and that is that you can suffer for Christ. That it's going to cost you something to, to, to come to Christ first, and then to serve Him, and then to be faithful to Him. We've had it so easy for so long. In fact, we've been given permission and provisions to live our faith in the public square. That's changing rapidly. In fact, I remember standing here preaching that things are about to change quickly four years ago. Now, I don't think quickly is a strong enough word. It's minute by minute, things are taking shape. There is a literal war on right now for the soul of a nation. But, but that's all, of, that, a nation is full of people, right? We can't get past that. And people is what this is about. God's redemptive purposes, I, I come out of, I forget where I was at, some store, and I just look around at all the chaos and the fear and the junk, and uh, it occurred to me, as you, if you take all that and you compare the headlines and all those things, really what this is, is a war against God. 
It really is. It's, it's a war against the sovereign rule of God. So, is there something to fast and pray about? Absolutely. And we're going to do our level best as Western Christians to, to develop our spiritual muscles and do some soul maintenance to get things right for the coming year because everyone's like, it'll be so much better. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we just really need to stay in our Bibles a lot. So, with that being said, do not let the means by which you fast eclipse the purpose for which you are fasting. You understand that? Do not let the means by which you fast eclipse the purpose for which you are fasting. I'm so happy that you want to try to get your fast right. Everybody does. But God wants you to get your heart right. So be before him. Okay, and in Isaiah, I'm going to go back there. We're going to start there first. My laptop's back on its way, so I, I really thought I'd like the book deal, but I'll be glad when it's back. Isaiah 58, if you will. Turn there in your Bibles. We're going to be flipping a little bit today, so just bear with me. If you're not sure where that is, don't bother searching forever. Just listen. Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 5. Motivation in your fast is everything. What is your motivation should you decide to fast and pray? What, why are you doing it? If you say, well, I'm doing it because our church is doing it. Well, I, I'm glad that you connect with your church and I'm glad that you identify with the body of believers. That's really cool. But I would really hope for more. My motivation is because I know we're in trouble. I'm not right and I need to get right so that I can help be a part of the solution. <laughs> Well, I can go for that one. You see, motivation is everything. So Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1 through 5. Isaiah is here uh, talking, and here's what he says. Cry aloud, spare not. In fact, hold on, I'm sorry. I'm going to read this out of the NLT today, just because it, it makes better sense to me when I do that. I'm going to just find it. Look at what I'm doing up here. You believe that? Isaiah 58. Yeah, okay. Here's, here's out of the NLT which I think it does a better job of bringing out the emphasis. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud, don't be timid. I like that. Don't be timid. Be loud. Tell my people Israel of their sins. So this is God's direction to Isaiah. Tell them they have sinned. <laughs> you got a sin problem. Yet they act so pious what does that mean? Well, they act so holy. I mean, they go about their day. So Isaiah, tell them, like a trumpet blast, that they've sinned, okay? They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They really put on a good show. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. And then, and here's what they say. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed, God? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I'll tell you why, I responded. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What is good? What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. And then he finishes by saying, humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. 
And then we get into other things. Here's what I want to say there. God is saying to the nation of Israel through Isaiah the prophet, as a religious people, you're putting on a good show. America, Christians in America, you're putting on a good show. You come before me, you say, my, aren't we something? I mean, we've got impressive buildings. In many churches, there's impressive bands with sound booths that are bigger than our building, and you've got to have all that. You can't worship God, right? And, and there's no heart. There's no holiness. There's no distinction in God's people. And God said, and, and then we even fast, too. And God said, yeah, but you aren't changing anything. You're fasting to look, to, to say, look how good I'm doing. In other words, motivation is everything. They were doing it because that's just what they did. They were doing it because they're, they're, they're the nation of Israel after all. They're God's chosen people. But their lives weren't reflecting that. And God is saying, what, what good is that? Now there's another one that I want you to see. In Matthew chapter 6. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. I love this, Jesus, man, he just nails it. <clears throat> I love to hear the fluffle, flip, the, the pages turning in the Bible, by the way. I, I think that's, that's so good. Makes you wonder if there'll ever be a day and you don't hear that. Anyway, moreover, when you fast, Jesus says... Do not be like the hypocrites. Well, we just read about them. Isaiah 58, right? It all looked good on the surface, but there was no heart behind it. Do not be like them with a sad countenance. Mm -hmm. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, right here in verse 16, motivation again is everything. Jesus clearly stated that their motivation was to be seen by men. Look how righteous I am. Look how holy I am. I am fasting, everybody. Look at me. I am so fasting. Or, oh, I, I feel faint. because Why do you feel faint? Well, I was glad you asked. Because I'm, I'm fat. We're fasting at our church. We're all doing it. Because we're just wonderful like that. Please don't include any of the rest of us if you say that. Well, Jesus says, you had your reward. And your reward is when they say, wow, aren't you something? That's your reward. That's all you get. Good for you. You get a gold star. Okay. Verse 17. But when, but you, he says, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. In other words, try to look normal. Now, I will say ancillarily here. When you fast, and if you do afflict your soul, to the degree with which it becomes a plausible fast, it is going to be rough on you. If you get off coffee, you're liable to get a headache for a while. You might get sleepy and tired for a while. If you, if you reduce sugars out of your diet and all you've been doing is eating sugars, and we talked about that last week, it's going to mess with your blood chemistry. And you could be a little groggy, a little, your eyes may not focus right. I mean, it's going to mess with you. If someone should say, you just really seem down, are you okay? Please, please don't. Well, you see, I'm going in this fast. Please just don't. Just say, well, you know, I've just committed some time with, to God and, and I'm changing some things. Okay, fine. 
Don't joke about it either, because the devil would love for you to take it lightly. In fact, I would say this, except for myself, which I have to kind of teach a little bit and give an idea what to do. Your fast that you choose is no one else's business but your own. Here's why. Because human nature being what it is would love nothing more than to size you up. Well, all they're doing is doing that and I'm over here. I got all this that I'm doing. Yes, I sleep on a bed of nails. I am that serious about seeking God. Well, you can just add your reward. So motivation is everything. I think what matters most here is, first of all, if you're going to fast, then do it. That doesn't always mean that you don't eat food. It may mean that you fast a meal a day, and maybe you give up other things that you turn to for pleasure. It may mean that you, that you just don't have any of the pleasurable foods that you want to have, that you would normally have. Bacon cheeseburgers? No, probably not. Not if you're thinking of them like that, probably not. Okay, uh, just various things that you turn to for comfort. You have to get before God with that, which is why I want to read to you out of this book, what Ronnie Floyd has, is that right? Yeah, Ronnie Floyd has to say about going to God in the beginning of a fast with getting the plan. Here's, now listen to this, this is really good, this is foundational. Before I go on a long-term fast, I ask God to give me His plan that He wants me to pray through or about during those days. These things become my prayer list that I take to God daily while praying and fasting. It gives me focus, direction. As God directs me, I add to that list. Additionally, when God answers, if He does in the time of fasting, I record it as answered. Before you go on a long-term fast, get God's heart on why you are going on this journey and what you need to trust Him for. Remember, fasting is abstinence from food with a spiritual goal in mind. The spiritual goal or goals is the list you have created under the leadership of God to pray about and through daily. Take time to write it down so you will have clear and specific direction for your journey. It becomes your spiritual navigation system for the prayer of fasting or for this uh, prayer and fasting journey. So do you have a plan? If you've waited till today to figure out, well, Lord, what should I fast from? You're probably going to get frustrated because you haven't started today. You think, well, I'll start tomorrow. And you still are going to be kind of sketchy on what it is you feel the Lord wants you to abstain from for the next 21 days. And then you'll just have lost it. You should have started weeks ago. It's not too late. God can speak clearly. I was speaking to, to one of our guys in church. And I said, so uh, how you doing? He goes, man, the Lord told me what I need to do. I said, good yeah I mean it must have been pretty rough on him but see I'm happy to hear that and the thing that he that he said that got me the most was when he said I know that's and he, he began to tear up I know these are the things in my life that I have to get right it's like wow so he has a plan and then what you so clearly those things are connected with whatever God's joined him in his life right that's why I gave you that that's why I recommended that book for you guys. As a church body, since we're doing a corporate fast, we're all on the same page together. If you're not doing the book, you won't be on the page. Okay? You're just out there. But if you're in the corral with the rest of us, we're going to be eating the same grain, so to speak. Unforgiveness, unholiness, as it's manifested in entertainment choices, 
thought life, uh, temperament, selfishness. I mean, it's a whole litany of things that the book is going to cover. The big one is relationships. Are they right? Do you have people out there hanging? Jesus said, if, if you bring your gift to the altar and when you, when you get there, you realize you got ought against your brother, you know they got ought against you, you've you got to go back. And we just kind of gloss over. Well, it's trying to, time to get down in the nasty muck of the grain bin. You just know it's going to stink, and it's going to be difficult, and it's kind of dark down there. But there's light up above, okay? And the God will carry you through. You have to have a plan. So what's your motivation? Remember, and this is, again, the, the thing that he said I like. <clears throat> hey, you know, if you stand back just about here, you can read that thing perfectly. Remember, fasting is abstinence from food with a spiritual goal in mind. So if you're not having your coffee, and you're not having your dinner, or, you, or maybe you're a breakfast person. How many breakfast people we got in here? You just love breakfast. Man, I just do. But maybe you're not having your breakfast for the next 21 days. Maybe you're not having your coffee. Maybe you're not having your, all that sugar you've been putting in you. Okay, maybe you're getting off the social media, and you're just, well, you're doing this with a spiritual goal in mind. You have to make the list. What are the areas in my life that I need to deal with or that I need to come alongside someone else? And do? Maybe the Lord lays someone on your heart. You got family members, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, parents that are lost. Without Christ, they're going to go to hell straight away. Maybe take up this time and make it. They're on the list. <laughs> you, know, you, you almost want to run and say, you know what? You're on my list. I got a big asterisk right by your name. Well, what are you praying? I'm praying God will break you in half for him. Don't you, know, you don't want to do that. You just want to pray that God would deal with them. Maybe you've maybe you got a friend that's just really down. They struggle with depression, anxiety, whatever it is, and they haven't. They they won't take the steps necessary to get their life right with it because they have a stigma in their mind because society frowns on that. You pray God to give them courage to approach that and get that right, so they don't have to live under that bondage anymore. You know. Maybe you've been a lousy, stinking husband. That's what you're digging up out of that grain bin. You, it makes a sound, and it comes up, and oh my gosh, the maggots just roll. You didn't realize that when you looked down in there, but if you've been in those grain bins, you know what I mean. And you're like, oh, and you don't know. And God said, yeah, that's you, man. That's right in your soul. Time to pick it up with my hands. So you look for a big shovel, Okay. And God wants you to get, you've been a lousy, stinking husband because you're so self-absorbed, self, self so you've been a bad wife because you just, nee, 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 all the time, okay? That's because you ain't listening. Anyway, there's a whole lot going on there, and God can help you. God can, that make that, that would be a big asterisk on your list, right? Have you asked God is the point? What's your motivation? And finally, I just want to kind of, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to park here. I'm just going to kind of cover these briefly. You don't have to turn there, please don't, I'm not. But first just know, because I've I've had some criticism. Why don't, if y'all are going to fast, why don't you just tell everybody not to eat for 21 days? Because that's a spiritual thing, dude. Well, first of all, nobody I know does that without getting checked out first. Because you got, if you've got conditions, if you take medications, you probably don't want to do that. Because Jesus even said, count the cost on things. Be smart about it. If, if any of you are considering fasting even more than two meals a day, please consider your medications. Go to get, maybe get a checkup. 
tell your doctor what you're going to do. You'll be surprised to know that a lot of people that do these kind of fasts like that do actually juice. They, they, eat, they drink chicken broth or beef broth or things like that. It's not just no nutrition at all. Sometimes some people have done that, but even Mr. Floyd here in this book, he went on a 40-day fast and he went and got checked out and, and he had a formula for how he was going to do it. He had a plan. But here's what I want to say. You're not Jesus, Okay, and, and I highly doubt that you're going to have an angel come minister to you because you're barely alive when it's over. Okay, but when we go back to Daniel, because in, um, in the first chapter of the book of Daniel, you know, you had Daniel and, and his, uh, what is it, four? Four friends? Shadrach, Meshach, no, three, and Abednego. Abednego, whatever you want to say. And they're all, you know, they, they're captives. They've been made eunuchs. It's a bad time. It's just a bad time. So the king wants to have handsome-looking eunuchs, whatever that looks like. And they're told to eat all this stuff. But their identity is with God, right? You can read about it all in Daniel chapter 1. And this is the diet that you're supposed to eat. There's roast beef and pastrami and chicken fried steak and gravy. I doubt that. But that sounds good. Anyway... So they 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 weren't so they they told the keeper of them that's taking care of them, hey, here's the dealio. We're God's people. We are distinct people. We don't eat bacon, which is a sad thing, but they don't eat it. We don't eat those kind of meats. We don't do that. So we're gonna make a deal with you. Because we trust God, because we believe in God, you just give us fruits and vegetables, and that's what we'll eat. And sure enough, ten days later, they looked better than the rest of them did. But they believed God. Why did they do it? Because their identity was wrapped up in what they were doing in their newfound circumstance. So if God should find us in a newfound circumstance, how are we going to do? How are we going to fare? If you go over, though, if you go into uh, Daniel chapter 10, he fasted for 21 days. And this was a partial fast also. He was still eating food. But it was just grains and fruits and vegetables that's what he had for 21 days and he did it with specific reasons in mind each time they all had specific reasons even David he went on a full fast for about seven days whenever the child that he and Bathsheba had was sick he was praying and fasting to see if it would live and as soon as the child died he got up and he ate well, that's a full fast. So you have full fast, you have partial fast, but the full fasts are generally much shorter in duration. What, for the purposes of what we're doing here, we're trying to get before God and, and being able to function but afflict our soul at the same time. You understand, you don't just go about business as usual. Oh, and by the way, if you find yourself in your 21 days of prayer and fasting and you can't hardly notice that you're fasting, probably something's wrong about what you're doing. Because if you're doing it right, you're going to know. You're going to know. <laughs> You're really going to know. Okay. The motives for Daniel was purity and identity as God's people. And also for mourning. Because if you read in Daniel 10, God had just shown him a lot about what was to take place during the end days. Okay. Or, and especially there at, uh, of Jerusalem itself. So here's some things that I come up with. Some motives for fasting and prayer. And I'm just going to give you the scriptures. Number one, to me, the main motive, to draw near to God. Who here does not want to draw near to God? 
If you don't want to draw near to God, it means you don't know Him. Okay? Because if you know Him, there should be the Holy Spirit inside you compelling you to be closer to God. I, we, have a tendency to drift in our spiritual walk. There's not a soul alive that loves Jesus that does not have a tendency to drift. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I've loved. Right? We have that. Life is like that. Like that old nasty grain bin. Over, over a year, there's a lot of things can get in there and get in the way. So that's James 4.8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then he says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Because that's why you're upset like that. Because you're too sold and you're trying to go two different directions. The world's way and God's way. And you can't do that. Number two. I put down here, to seek God's counsel. To seek his counsel. And remember we went through, the, and we were in Acts chapter 13. Uh, there were people gathered there, prophets and teachers, and they were seeking God. And they were praying and they were fasting. This is in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. So they were doing it to seek God's counsel. And then they set Barnabas and Paul aside for the work of the ministry that God, how did they know to do that? Because they were fasting and praying, i.e., they were seeking God. When's the last time you had a focused time of seeking God? Like just mm, hammered in on it, you know? You fast and pray to humble yourselves. In 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 25 through 29, we have King Ahab was a horrible guy, just an awful man. And, and finally, God sends his prophet to talk to him and say, you're done. <laughs> you're, you're in a bad time. You're going to have a bad time of it. Well, Ahab got so scared. He humbled himself, sat in sackcloth and ashes, and God relented from bringing that upon him at that time. So, and, and God said, it's because he has humbled me. All right, he, it's because he has humbled himself. So, wouldn't you admit that all of us tend to get a little proud from time to time? You always hear this term, we are a proud American. I'm a proud American. Now, I'm just an upset one. But, you know, we have to be very careful about the amount of pride that we let lay in our soul. Because I'll guarantee what will happen is, if given enough time and enough condition you'll dig down into that part of the pile in the bottom of the grain bin of your life and there'll be maggots too. Sticky, wiggling, stinky, nasty maggots with mice carcasses all over it. Because that's just what happened. You think, I'm not Jack Dradrain. It's like that. Just, I got stuck in there one day and fell down and that was the end of my day. We also, now here's another one. We also, uh, motives for prayer and fasting is to pray for and intercede for others. Anybody know anybody that needs that? <laughs> okay. We find this actually in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, because word got back to Nehemiah, how it was going in his homeland there. Jerusalem gates were torn down, the walls were down, everything's a mess. And he, he was burdened for, it says, his people. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. So he prayed and fasted for them. And then finally, lastly, and I guess we could keep going, but just for the sake of today, we do it to gain victory. Who could sure use a good dose of victory? Amen to that, right? Judges chapter 20, we talk about having victory. 
Judges chapter 20, verses uh, 20 through 35. Victory is something that is elusive to us. Many times when we think about victory, uh, we always think about it, I think, kind of selfishly. But uh, what we have is a situation between Israel and between, uh, basically it's between Israel and, and Israel's war with the Benjamites. And uh, there was a woman that had to be cut up. It was a bad time. And, and the tribe of Jim Benjamin, they were warlike people. And if you read the narrative here, uh, Israel went to war with them to make that wrong that they had done right. They were going to right the wrong. Well, Benjamin really had their way with them. They, they slaughtered a lot. And they went back to God. This time they went back praying and fasting and seeking God. And then God gave them victory. So we know that there is a prayer and fasting associated with victory. So if you're looking for victory in your life, you're saying, I'm always down, I can't win a thing. Maybe you ought to have some time of prayer and fasting to just get before God and ask, what's up? <laughs> what is, is it in me or what is your greater purpose in it? Praying and fasting then, and this is a teaser for next week. I couldn't help but think of this uh, out of the Beatitudes that Jesus spoke. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, he writes, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I know this doesn't have anything to do with, he's not talking, for those of you who are fasting and praying, just know. He was dealing with people who literally had nothing to eat. Okay? But, I wonder, is there a spiritual, is there a truth, a promise here? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Are you hungry and thirsty for righteousness in your life? Are you hungry and thirsty for righteousness in your church? Are you hungry and thirsty, here's a big one, can't even fathom it, for righteousness in your nation? And you know the maggots in that grain bin are huge. Okay, if you ever saw King Kong and they went down in that ditch, that's what it's like there. Okay, just, they, they're coming up out of nowhere. But God can do anything. We have the promise of if my people who are called by my name pray and seek my face. We know this was written. We know the people group this was written to. But the promise is there for God's people, in which case we've been grafted in, that God can do mighty things when we get ourselves right. Awakening will never come to a nation unless it comes to the church in revival first. Okay? So, I just wonder, what's your motivation for doing this, if you're doing it at all? I don't really, I talked about not doing it last week. If you're not doing it, you're just not. But if you are, what is your motivation? What's the plan? Hey, Brian, what's the plan? What's the plan? Hey, Hey, uh, hey, Kim, you're on the end in white. What's the plan? You know, what's the plan for the next 21 days with you and God? Kim, what's the plan? What, what's God saying? I even dug out a book, and I don't write stuff down because I have atrocious handwriting. I can't even hardly decipher it myself. But I felt compelled to find this journal that I've had since 1990-something, and I'm writing everything down. I don't like doing it. But I feel compelled because what do we know? God loves obedience. 
rather than sacrifice. It's the little things. So I'm going to write it all down. I'm going to see later. And I just write down my thoughts, you know. But just a small step. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Did you get your blender out? Travis, you got any juice boxes going? That poor man. Anyway, what is your plan of attack on this thing? I'm going to ask JT to come. And as he comes and as we sing, here's, here's the challenge today. Church, you who know Jesus, are you where you need to be? As the English would say, is there debris in the bottom of your grain bin? Is there a lot of junk down in there that needs to be gotten out? Swept? Cleaned? Have you attracted a bunch of no good things over the course of a year? Did you order your book? You shall forgot. Get it on. Get it coming. Do you know what you're doing? And, and then... If in you, there's a part that says, man, I want to do that. But then there's a part that's like, eh, never mind. You're too sold. James says you won't receive anything from the Lord because you are double-minded. The altar's open. You need to come and pray and say, God, I am compelled. I don't want to. It's hard, but I here I am. I'm going to do it one day at a time so as JT plays you come